Spirit would help us in these times of uh, great tribulation and fires come sweeping through and not even contained. We pray that the words penned by King David so long ago, inspired by the Holy Spirit, would comfort our hearts as we look to you in Christ's name. Amen. You may take a seat at this time. I don't know if you've ever noticed when looking at great works of art, especially great landscapes, great artists uh, often paint, they often have a similar feature. If there are groves of trees in the painting, uh, there will be a clearing. More often than not, there will be a path through the forest. That is something that great artists through the ages have realized that the human soul, the human psyche likes, and the human eye, for a work of art to have a way through or a way out. Monet, one of my favorite uh, uh, artists. There just, there's something about a path through, a way out is sensed, a way through, and, and artists kind of picked up on that and, you know, it is, uh, they understand that many dangerous toils and snares have always kind of created a wall of trees for people, an impenetrable forest, if you will. And they like to paint that hopeful path through, a way out. Well, God knows that. And he has inspired an 11-verse worship song, as I mentioned, written by King David. It's a song about the way out for the human soul. It lights a path for us to find, through our darkness, a refuge in God, into a place of safety and security in the presence of our great God and Savior. So we're going to take a look at that. Let's look at the verses. I'll read the whole psalm right now. Verses 1 through 11. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Verse 6. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know 
that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen? Amen. Comforting words indeed. Well, we're going to walk through this song. Thank you for the projection there. It's hard to say when David wrote this psalm because, you know, actually he was always in such distress. So it's hard to know which time he was terrorized when he wrote about this cataclysmic disaster and the fear that comes with it and the need to go to God as his uh, refuge. So the song kind of reminds me of a song that we sing When the world all around me is shifting sand, on Christ the solid rock I stand. When I need a shelter, when I need a friend, I go to the rock. And so now David will describe that refuge, that rock, in three wonderful ways. He says that rock, that refuge, is God our shelter. God our refuge, verses 1 through 3. God our river. Then God is the one who not only protects us as an outward refuge from all harm, but he also sustains us from within. He is our river. So God, our refuge, God, our river, and God, our ruler. He says, take heart, people of God. The one who rules the universe is your God, your good shepherd. And so let's talk about first God as our refuge. That's who God is to us. He may not be that to others. But for us who have believed on his name, he has given us the right to be called the children of God. And that is who we are. And therefore, we abide in the shadow of the Almighty because he is our God. So let's talk about this in the midst of a world that seems to be imploding Upon itself. And so he says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready, standing by to help 24 7. Therefore, since God is the one who's protecting us, we don't have anything to fear, even if the, the earth around us starts giving way. We don't have anything to worry about. And so let's talk about this. Um, the earth we live on is coming undone, and it's been doing so for about 6,000 years ever since the fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden. Whoever coined the phrase uh, terra firma (laughs) didn't live in California and didn't live at the consummation of the ages when Jesus our Lord promised in Matthew 24 of an increase in natural disasters as a sign of his appearing. Quaking, rattling, uh, surging, and roaring, as is described in this psalm, something Jesus said. When you see all of that, in ever-increasing measure, coming as labor pains on a woman, contractions coming closer and closer together, just know this, I'm near, even at the door. And so, roaring, he talks about. Like many of you, we woke up around midnight. We got a call from our daughter, Jordan. 
And she said, I, I'm not feeding the baby, and I think you guys are in a mandatory evacuation zone. And I'm like, oh, really? Come on. Okay, so Barb opens up the app and looks, and I see Napa. And I'm like, oh, Napa's so far away. So I turned off the lights again and, and went back, tried to go back to sleep. But our window was open. And many of you know, especially the seniors who were all over our house, uh, many of you know our house butts up against Shiloh Park. So the, the backyard opens up to that grassy field, right? And so the window's open, and I hear a roar. And I'm like, what is that? You know, and the wind chimes are going off as if an alarm. And, and suddenly I'm just feeling a little restless. And uh, I walked outside. I looked toward the east and I saw an orange glow. And I'm like, um, we need to go. <laughs> so just on a lighter note, you know, I was good to go. I just threw on a T-shirt and my jeans. Oh, let's go. I got the car keys. Well, I called Tim Delaney because we looked out toward his house and it was all on fire. And I'm like, Tim. And he goes, I'm in the car. I'm getting in the car. Wow. wow. And, and I called Zach and Caitlin. They live two streets over. They said, OK, we're getting ready. We're getting ready. And so while this is going on, just a lighter note, you know, Barb was packing. <laughs> <laughs> I just said packing. That's all I said. And, I, and I'm starting to think of uh, the, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Do you remember that? When, when uh, the White Witch sent out the Death Squad to the little beaver's home, their little thatch, and Mrs. Beaver was like dawdling around and packing things, and, and the music is playing like, uh, you're about to die, you're about to die. And, and she's just going, oh, one more minute. And, and Mr. Beaver, in, the, in his British accent, was always doing this thing. And so I'm standing there, and I start going like this, Mrs. Beaver, Mrs. Beaver. Which, you enjoyed much more than Barb. <laughs> what did Mrs. Beaver in the movie get? Her sewing machine. And what was she doing? She was packing her sewing machine. All right. And I said to her, honey, where are you going to use a sewing machine? And guess what? This shirt was too long. She, she tripped it up. She tailored the shirt. So, so we're safe and sound. The house is standing. And we have a sewing machine. The roar. That was incredible. The roar, the surging, the quaking. It began at the fall. It increases with the consummation of the ages and will find its fulfillment in what is called the day of the Lord. But Jesus came to rescue his people from the day of the Lord. And so we are not appointed to that wrath. Tribulation, there's a difference between a tribulation time and the tribulation. Paul the apostle said, encourage one another with these words, you are not appointed to God's wrath. And in Revelation chapter 6, it says, announcing the tribulation, now is the day of God's wrath. Well, we are not appointed to God's wrath. Therefore, we are not in the great tribulation. We are enduring a little tribulation. Amen. We have a lot to be thankful for. So 
The psalmist is talking, David is talking about sinkholes, earthquakes, mudslides, tsunamis, floods. He says hurricanes that form out over the ocean. This is some scary stuff, quaking and rattling and surging. And well, what's going on? What's going on? Did, did God just create a, uh, the earth in a shoddy manner when the morning stars gathered and sang for joy? What happened? Well, the first few chapters of the Bible, starting in Genesis chapter 1, tell us pretty clearly how things got started. And they got started with this. God took a look around and said, this is very good. But something happened in those first three chapters that he tells us about it. It's called the fall of man. And God spends the rest of the 31,000 verses in the Bible explaining how God went about to fix that problem. And so that is the source of the earth's groaning. Romans chapter 8, I don't know if I, I, I sent it over or not, verses 20 through 24. For the creation was subjected to frustration. The earth, all of creation, the solar system, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruit of the Spirit grown inwardly as we await eagerly for the adoption, our adoptions as sons, the redemption of our Bodies. And so listen, sin blew a hole into the hull of the vessel that we're on. And God says it's only a matter of time before she goes under. And then he says, here's the good news from chapter 4 of Genesis all the way to Revelation 22. Come to me. Look to me, all the ends of the earth, and be saved. For I take no delight in the death of the wicked, but rather that you turn from your sins and be saved. The message that God has is that the ship is going down, but the good ship salvation is available to whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. This planet, this planet is slated for destruction. It says it in the Old. It says it in the Gospels. It says it in the New Testament. But we look forward to a new heaven, heavens, and a new earth as the Lord promised. The good news is that kingdom is coming. It's coming. But the hard news is that this earth must pass away. And its death gasps are being heard right now in the roaring, in the quaking, in the surging. I mean, just let's talk about it. People asked uh, Jesus, what will be the sign of your coming? And here's what he says. Increased wars, spiritual apostasy, which means a falling away from God's truth, moral decline, and then he says an increase in natural disasters. Now, this is not from any prophecy website. I'm just going to quote to you from the news. Ten-week hurricane season, starting ten weeks ago. There's been a hurricane each week. Ten weeks, ten hurricanes. Storms of record floods, 
record damage, record loss of life, complete islands wiped out. Puerto Rico still is, half of Puerto Rico doesn't have water to drink or power. From Newsweek, 2,500 earthquakes, swarms of earthquakes in Yellowstone National Park. Those earthquakes are on top of what is called, this is from Newsweek, a super volcano capable of erupting and covering the entire United States in ash. I'm not an alarmist. I'm a realist. I'm just reading Newsweek. And I'm trying to say with the rest of the world, what's going on? USA Today, famine, flood, fire, what's next? Well, if they would have asked me, <laughs> I could tell them a trumpet sound. And we who are alive and remain shall be snatched away out of harm's way so that the day of the Lord can come through. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. I mean, did you know that tsunami was 10 years ago? 250,000 lives were lost. Five million people affected by one tidal wave. The worst mass murder in our country, October 1st. The most serious threat of nuclear war with our president saying fire and fury and the dictator on the other end saying we will reduce you to ashes. Matthew 24, verse 6. Catholic Herald said it's we're under the Christians are under the worst persecution in the in world history now SF gate the deadliest wildfires in California history today the smell of that smoke is on your clothing this morning and so yeah Jesus says somebody in Macy's said man I heard she's standing right next to me. It just feels like the end of the world is happening. I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> I'd like to talk, have a word with you. Yes, uh, the end of the world is, seems to be playing out, but good news, Jesus said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And then 1 John chapter 5 says, listen up, anyone born of God overcomes the world. There's no reason for fear because there's a path through. There's a path out. And that path out is called the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord, and there's been a lot of that lately. A lot of people are saying, calling on the name of the Lord through this tribulation. So in the meantime, folks, we have the birth pangs, as Jesus called them in Matthew 24, and Christians suffer alongside with unbelievers. But what a difference. The fire that falls on us refines us and is helpful to us. And we are safe from ultimate loss. Not so in the world without Christ. And so the fire is falling. Sunday is morning service. <laughs> if you were in first service, the, the text goes on to say that everyone will be salted with fire. Those were the last words I said before 12 hours. We would all be salted with fire. Little did we know. And the psalm reading for that morning was Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High shall rest under the shadow of the Almighty. 
God was preparing us. And that's a comforting thought. So the way through this fallen creation, fallen mankind, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the path through that leads to life. You can put the text back up there. Thank you so much, guys. So we have no fear because we have no reason to fear if God, if God is our refuge. No one more powerful, no one more present, <laughs> no one more easily accessed than, uh, than God. And here's the deal. Ultimately, it's your soul. It's your soul that's safe. Christ is a refuge for your soul. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, some of, the, some of you, they're going to kill. But he said, no worries. Not a hair on your head will be harmed. Right after saying, you're going to lose your heads. And then he says, no worries. Not a hair on your head will be harmed. Well, how is that if your head is severed from your body? That's because our souls are safe with the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? So God is our refuge, our strength, always available, standing ready to help. Now, God as our river. There's a river, he says, whose stream makes glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty, God of heaven's armies, he's with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And so the question first addressed was, who protects us from without? Now David addresses who sustains us from within. He's talking about the river of life, the river of life. Uh, here's a question. Anybody tired? <laughs> Anybody feeling dry and empty like you're in this barren wilderness News after bad news, sad news, even if it didn't happen to you, you know somebody who it happened to. And that kind of thing makes us tired, makes us weary, makes us kind of withered in our spirits and our souls. But David knows all about that. He fled for 10 years in barren places from a mad, demonized king who was out to kill him. 10 years on the run, living, displaced, evacuated, <laughs> in caves for 10 long years. Now you might remember in 2 Samuel 23, he was saying something like, oh, that somebody would go to Bethlehem and get me a drink of water from its gates. What about the oasis and the beautiful wells of Engedi, where he was hiding out, that have beautiful, sweet spring water? Why is he longing so much for, oh, that somebody would give me a drink from Bethlehem? Because David is saying, I want to go home. That's where he's from. I want to be in a, a place of love and security, a place that I can call home, a place of acceptance and peace and safety. That is what he was longing for. And so here David is saying, he's come to the place of a revelation. He's saying that it doesn't matter where you're displaced because we are the city of God. 
We are God's building, 1 Corinthians 3. We are God's temple, that he dwells in us by his spirit. So we are the city, spiritual application. And wherever God is, that city is well-nourished with the waters of life that flow from the throne of God. So David's saying, I could be dying of thirst in the wilderness, but I've always got a fresh spring from which to drink. And these echo Jesus' words. He says, whoever believes in me from their inmost being will flow the waters of life eternal. And then there's a note that says, Jesus was meaning the Holy Spirit who inhabits the city of God, the building of God, the field of God, the temple of God. You, you are the city, you are the building, you are the field. And God's Holy Spirit is there. And where the Holy Spirit is, there is peace and there's sustenance, spiritual sustenance. The waters of life are accessed there. We've got this plant in our walkway that always gives Barb trouble. It's called impatient. It's impatient. (laughs) (laughs) And it's always wilted. It looks deader than dead. Not like almost dead or kind of dead, but dead, dead. Right? And... uh, It just needs a little water. So she puts water on it. I'm like, that thing is dead. It's just, oh, man. You you know what I mean. So we come back later in the evening. The thing's, whoo, it's up. It's ready for business, man. But I'll tell you what. It got a little water. And a lot of God's people don't recognize. He's saying, there's a city. You. The Holy Spirit's inside of you. He nourishes wherever the spirit is. There's ample sustenance for your soul. All you need is to just have the hose, have the hose pointed in the right direction. That means reading the word of God. That means not entertaining what if, what if, what if, but drawing near to God to worship, to pray, to take a walk, to be with God's people, to fellowship, and to serve. For whoever refreshes others, they themselves will be refreshed. And so a part of this, these testimonies, people displaced, lost everything, and they're here serving today. They lost their business, they lost their home, it burned to the ground, and they're serving you today. And guess what's happening? They're not wilted because the streams of the waters of life are flowing because they are tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. So, I mean, we got together with a few people. We were laughing. We had the grandbabies. We, uh, you know, we just had a little food, a little fun, a little fellowship. We sang the doxology. Oh, I was well watered. Keep yourself well watered. He's, it's available. It's there. He says, Every believer can be whole with the Lord and well-sustained because there is a river that flows like a well-watered garden. I love this, Isaiah 58, 11. The Lord will guide you always. I have that. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. You are his people. He's in the midst of you. 
Do not forget that. How terrible to be dying of thirst when the water is right there and the Lord is saying, listen, I could lead you so far, but I can't make you drink. And so drink up. Take the cup of salvation. Draw near to him and he will bless you. You will be not withering at all. As your days, so shall your strength be. Deuteronomy 33, 25. Praise the Lord. Let's finish up verses 8 through 11. This is really great stuff here. Come and see the works of the Lord, what he's doing in the earth. All these desolations have a purpose to bring wars to an end. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear, burns the shields with fire. And then God interrupts in a prophetic word, first person, God speaking, in a command, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted, he says, among the nations. And then David says, P.S., <laughs> the Lord Almighty is with us. So, since God is our refuge, no cause for fear in any calamity. Secondly, since God is the river of life, we are well supplied and nourished in our souls, no matter where we are or what we're going through. And since God is our sovereign ruler, and he's the ruler over all the earth, we can be still. We can have peace. The Bible describes a peace that doesn't make sense. A peace that passes knowledge. How many people in here can just tell you, it does not make sense, but I feel perfectly fine. I'm comfortable. I have this sweet assurance. Yes, of course, everybody has their moments. But overall, God is so faithful because God is our ruler. So here's a first a call to consider the works of God. So here's what he's, David's saying. Look back on human history with joy and awe and marvel at God's works on behalf of his people. So Israel would say, oh, yeah, the ten plagues. He heard our cries and he came down and with a strong arm and an outstretched hand, he delivered his people. He says, consider all the ways God has intervened in making desolation on the earth on behalf of his people. The conquest over evil nations, the period of judges and the monarchy when God intervened on behalf of his people, all the let my people go evidence, David says, of his care and his protection and his providential rule that his past faithfulness, as we look out and see him dealing with the bad guy on our behalf, he says that is our assurance for future hope. Now, the Lord's powerful interventions, look at this in your text. Every victory, every subjugation of hostile nations or powers reveal, David is saying, this is great, revealing his plan for mankind, the, verse 9, the cessation of wars and the, to bring on an era of peace. Now, Expository's commentary says this about this, these verses. His wars and God's judgments of the nations have as their final end the removal of evil, instigators, troublemakers, rebels, 
and all expressions of hostility in whatever form. So he says, hey, take a look at God when he thunders down upon Egypt back in those days. Look at that. And what is he doing? With a strong arm, he's muscling down the world's powers and saying, I am coming to bring peace. You see? So now his judgment, he's saying, when you see God's judgment on the world, it's not in hate or condemnation. It's to bring in his kingdom, to get people's attention, to say, get on the ark and be saved, says the Lord. God, our Savior, wants all people to come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, God is not willing that anybody perishes, but comes to the knowledge of the truth and repents of their sins and are saved. And so his desolations are saying, listen, he's saying, none of your weapons are going to work anymore. I'm bringing an end. He says, I'm going to burn up your weapons so that they don't work anymore. This is the reason he brings judgment, because he's got a plan to turn our weapons into agricultural tools, because there will be no war on this planet when he arrives. Amen. Praise the Lord. So all the quaking, all the surging, all the rattling, all the roaring, is the Lord saying, stop this madness. Turn away from sin and idolatry. Turn to me and be saved. Turn to me and have peace. And so speaking of desolations he's brought, somebody noted in the LA Times that it's the wine country, that the wine press is filled with fire and fury. That's right out of the Bible. As God's judgment. But let me remind you of this. Let's not stop there because there's a garden named Gethsemane, which means wine press, where Jesus Christ, the God-man, came and was crushed under the wrath of God for the sins of the world. He takes no delight in judging the earth, Rather, he came down and said, judge me for them. Put their sins on me and then fill me with the rage and the wrath of God Almighty. And that's what he did. That's what he did. When we look around and we see the wrath of God evidenced in judgment, we remember that first and foremost, he put that wrath on his only son, the God-man, born of a virgin, conceived of the Holy Spirit, fully man and fully God. And he allowed himself to be stripped, to lay down on a piece of wood that he himself created out of love for this world, for God so loved this world. He said, I didn't come to judge this world. I came to save this world from the impending judgment. Look to me, whosoever, 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 freely come and drink of the living water. And so 
that's just so beautiful. So now first person, he says, in command form, God speaking, you who are my city, you who is my temple, you who are my children, I want this from you. And here's a command. You be still. You take charge. You take captive your thoughts. None of this, what if this, what if that. Stop with every prompt of anxiety. Use that as a cue to pray. With every care, he says, have no anxiety about anything. But in everything, when you're tempted to give way to worry and fear, with thankfulness, Make your request to God so when it comes in, what if you say, dear Lord, I thank you that all things are under your care, that you're a good father, and I just ask in this regard, would you be mindful of this situation? He says, and the peace of Christ, which passes knowledge, will guard your heart, but it's conditional. You can't just give way. Now, nobody can stop the bird from flying over but you can't stop it from making a nest up there, right? <laughs> and so he says, don't, here's what he's saying. Be still and know that I'm God. Not FEMA, not Calvary Chapel Association Disaster Relief Fund, not your insurance. He's saying those are good things and I may use those things to bless you, but it's me using those things to help you. It's me you're thankful for. It's me you're looking to. That's the only way you're going to be able to be still. That's the only way. And so look to him, he's saying, because I'm God. He says, I'm going to be exalted. And here's what he's saying. My plan's going through people. It may not always look like it. He says, but Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. I will be honored in this world and you will be honored with me. You will sit upon thrones with me, judging the world, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Reigning and ruling with me. But he says, I'm God. I'm going to take care of this. It's on my shoulders. It's not on yours. Your job is to rest in my love. Yes, of course, do the work. Be responsible. Fill out the forms. But no, behind the forms and behind the agencies and behind the doctors and behind the first responders is a God, your God, who loves you, who is your refuge, your river, and your ruler. And he will not fail. Amen. It took me a while to get warmed up, but right at the end, there, I, I figured it out. So hey, let me close here with this. I've told you this story before. Uh, he comes back in, David, and he says, by the way, the Lord Almighty is with us. If God is for us, if God is with us, what does it matter? Everything's going to be okay. He named himself Emmanuel, right? Now, I told you this story before. Emmanuel has a real precious meaning to me. Uh, God really brought that meaning home to me. When I first got uh, news that there was something wrong with my x-ray, my routine x-ray, this is now 20 years ago. 
the doctor, the radiologist called, right, and told me, uh, what's going on with you? And I said, oh, it's a routine uh, chest X-ray, no problems. And he says, oh, no, there's a problem. You've got a mass at the center of your chest. And I said, that's called your heart. <laughs> I'm not sick, dude. I've got three kids running around right here. I'm fine. It's just routine. You got me mixed up. He said, Mr. Reinman, you need a CAT scan immediately. You have a mass at the center of your chest, man. So I went and saw the therapist, or the therapist. <laughs> Whoops, Freudian slip. <laughs> I needed one. I went and saw the, the, the thoracic, that's where that came from, surgeon. And uh, he had bad news for me. Oh, it was terrible. Oh, terrible, terrible, terrible. It's wrapped around your aorta and all kinds of things. And I'm sitting in the waiting room waiting to see another specialist. And I'm, what if this? And what if that? And I'm going to die. And somebody's going to marry my wife. And he's going to be, <laughs> and he's going to be tall and have a lot of hair. <laughs> oh, I was really milking it. And I'm sitting in the waiting room. And you know the story. Oh, man. And I'm watching the tears roll off my cheek onto my shoes, sitting there, feeling so, so sorry for myself. And the nurse, uh, the receptionist came in, and she's calling for the next guy to go in. And she walks right in front of me, and she says, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. Three times, loud. Well, some big Samoan guy is sitting there with his earbuds in. And so she has to keep saying, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. And then finally she says, is Emmanuel here or not? <laughs> right in front of me. And the Lord was like all over me just saying, Pastor Ross, could you stop? Can you stop feeling sorry for yourself and thinking, what if this and what if that? And every thought that comes into your mind. How about me? Is Emmanuel here or not? And I'm like, you're here, you're here, I'm sorry. You're here, you're here. And then as the big uh, Samoan guy lumbers by me, he's a big wrestler, and uh, walked right by me, I'm like, Emmanuel, there you go. <laughs> But God used that time to say, come on, man. Ask yourself. I'm asking you that. I'm asking you right now, you. I'm looking at you. Or I'm talking to you right there. I'm talking to you. I'm asking you, is Emmanuel here or not for yes. you? Is there a God who is your refuge? Are you not the people of God? Is there a stream of living water that flows up within you? or not? Is God the ruler of this universe or not? He is. Amen? Therefore, therefore, we will not fear. Therefore, we will praise our God and rest in his love. Amen? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you. Emmanuel, you are here. You are ever present. You have proved yourself faithful. We love you. We trust you. We pray for grace to trust you more. 
to love you in better and deeper, more significant ways, to be a blessing, God, not a hindrance, but a blessing to you and your people. We pray these things in Christ's name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvarytherock.org.